Hey, this is Amos, and before we get to this great episode with Richard Gunther, I wanted to make an announcement that Undaunted is now a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. It's full of geeky podcasts covering everything from Doctor Who to hobbyist podcasting and from Magic the Gathering to Game of Thrones. Want more geek in your podcatcher? Cruise on over to GunnaGeekNetwork.com and discover what you've been missing. Now, back to the amazing Richard Gunther. Hello and welcome to Undaunted, where each episode I talk with fellow podcasters from all walks of life to discuss what went well, what went wrong, and what just didn't matter. We'll share the good, the bad, the many laughs and lessons along the way. I'm Amos, and today I'm joined with joined by Richard Gunther of Home On and Entertainment 2.0. And I don't know if I could get that intro any wronger, in, any more wrong. What's any, the proper way, Richard? I have any any more wrongly. We're gonna do it wrongly. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing fine. Man, I am telling you, I have had uh, quite a week. And and then I I self-impose myself on you for this show because I didn't have a busy enough week. I said, wait, 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 wait. You're doing Undaunted again? I thought we were going to do some Undaunted. And yeah, yeah. So here we are. Yeah, and, and 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 we're only an hour after we initially said we were going to start, so we are right on time according to uh, <laughs> Amos and Richard time. <laughs> that is so so true and so sad. And and that is that's actually probably our first lesson is be flexible when it comes to podcasting. I'm sure you can uh, relate to that one. Yeah, and you know it's funny you are in a much more difficult situation with your show ritual misery. Because you record live, you have audio and video live with the chat room at the same time, roughly every week. I like his. I and like so, his said roughly. <laughs> yeah, usually, and you need to get your guest on the show in time for that. You need to get yourselves and your lives and everything else that's going on scheduled for that same time every week. I do a weekly show with Entertainment 2.0, and I know it's difficult just to keep that schedule with travel, and we bump it every once in a while, like half an hour or an hour or whatever, and we just have a live audience, but we don't really we don't really consider it an audience. We're letting people listen to us record if they're interested in doing that. But right. um, So you don't have an active participation, wow. like an active two-way channel while you're recording. So we have a chat room and we let people, in fact, we encourage people to join in and weigh in on conversation there. And we try and take bits from that and incorporate those into the conversation to the extent that it makes sense. But you know what? Oftentimes, and you know, this is very true also on Diamond Club, is that different conversations strike up just amongst the people who are listening mm -hmm. or watching. And so then <laughs> it becomes more challenging because you're trying to weed through that right. to figure out, okay, so what is it that I'm actually needing to pay attention to here and what is just other conversation? Right. But it's nice to have that participation when we can. And I mentioned that you do two podcasts, Home On, which is home colon on. You, you made sure that I, I read that out loud. 
And yeah, there's a space in there too, just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> just, just in case it wasn't easy enough. <laughs> because let me tell you, because you know, you know all too well from talking with me and from me just razzing on you all the time, right? I am a grammar geek. Yes. And and a little bit of I I, I don't want I don't want to use the term that I, I would normally use there, but I that that stuff just like gets to me. And yeah. so I see the name of my show misspelled or mispunctuated or home one, all one word, big O word, perfect style. You know, <laughs> I, I just, it just like makes me crazy. Uh, let's, let's get back to the origins of, uh, of your two podcasts. Now I know you've been listening to podcasts at least since 2010 when we met at South by how far back does your podcast pedigree go? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question because I have been interested in podcasting pretty much since I got my first iPod. And I think that's probably about 10, 10 11 years ago, something like that. Okay. I had the not the first click wheel, but I think the second generation click wheel iPod and I learned about podcasts and started listening to them regularly. And I became really interested in just the technology and the opportunity that that afforded to people, just regular people, but also large outlets that now had a way that you could download their otherwise only available live content and listen to it at your convenience. Mm -hmm. And so I started going to New Media Expo, which was at the time kind of the show for people who were into podcasting. And if you don't recognize the name New Media Expo, it's probably because they've changed the name of that show over the course of its life. Well, pretty much about every year every or every year. year. It eventually got rolled into Blog World, and then at one point it got rolled into the big uh, national radio production show, and I don't know what it is or where it is or even if it still exists at this point. But that was really of interest to me because it was it was all the technology that made this happen. You know, you go to the show and you had all these people that were podcasters, and I'd see folks like... Veronica Belmont and uh, Ken Ray and other people that I knew from podcasting, Tom Merritt. And I'd see them there and get a chance to talk with them and interact with them and find out, you know, what they were doing and how they learned about this and some of their best practices. And they had all sorts of sessions about how you do this. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking of doing a show of my own at that point in time. And it wasn't really until like five years or six years after that, that I actually had my own show. I was just really interested in how this all happened and the technology behind it and what a kind of a democratizer it was. And the other thing is, and this should be no surprise to anybody who knows me or who's heard me on Ritual Misery before, I'm an AV geek. Mm -hmm. And when I was in school, high school, of course, I was one of the nerds in the AV club. 
And I actually wanted to go into that as a career. Mm. I wanted to do like studio production kind of work as a career. And I just, well, let's just say I got talked out of it. <laughs> and that may have been a good decision because I'm probably doing better now than I might in a position like that. I instead steered toward a technology area, computer science that was going to get me a good salary and good long-term career. But now all this stuff is available to the general public and mm -hmm. we can play with it and do it ourselves. And, and I think that's amazing. Absolutely love that. So what was the catalyst for you starting your own podcast? Well, I, I didn't have a podcast, but I had a blog for many, many, many years. I had a blog, I think before they were called blogs, like way <laughs> back in the day where just people had personal websites Angel where they fire. would put their random stuff up on the internet and, I, you know, things that you're a fan of or your, uh, whatever your, your, uh, resume or whatever you might have out on the internet. And as blogs came into being, then I transitioned what I was doing into a blog. And my blog was really just all kind of opinion stuff, a little bit of tech. I would start doing reviews. And then I got into writing about AV technology and eventually found my way to the digital media zone, the digital media zone now where I'm an editor there. And they, we're like right in the niche, niche, niche. I always say that wrong. <laughs> that interested me, basically digital technology in your home. And I was writing in that space and I reached out to the then lead editor and said, hey, um, I've been writing about this stuff and I just wrote this piece about this TV tuner. Would you be interested in maybe posting it? And Within a couple days, I was posting regularly for them. And the then editor, now editor-in-chief of the site, Josh, asked me if I would come on to their show, Entertainment 2.0, which spoke about Microsoft Entertainment Technology and focused heavily on Media Center. I, I imagine you have a number of geeks in your audience who are familiar with and used Microsoft Media Center. Oh, the old probably green ball. The, yes, yes, the green ball, the green button. It was probably the best DVR that's ever been made and everybody had it for free and nobody used it. <laughs> and they talked about that technology and a bunch of other stuff. And so he had me on to talk about the posts that I had written about tuners for that device. And then he had me on again to fill in when... The co-host he had was unavailable, and I kept on coming back, and it's eventually he said, hey, um, you want to be my co-host on this? Nice. <laughs> and so I didn't actually have to do the hard work and decision-making and technical and personal investment of getting all of this started on my own. I had the luck and luxury of kind of falling into a co-host position in an established show where my co-host, Josh, 
already knew how you do all this, already understood the technology behind making it happen. And I was just able to show up once a week and talk with him about the stuff that jazzed me. It was a great deal. Nice. And then you created your own show. And then I did. Yeah. So we started you, talking you, about. You, 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 you fell into one podcast. You're like, this isn't enough. Yeah. Well, that happens to everybody, right, Amos? Uh, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I can see that happening in some people. So I, I, what, I, what I ended up realizing is that in addition to writing about the AV tech, I was doing more and more writing about home automation stuff. And we were talking about it more on Entertainment 2.0. And it didn't really make sense in that show, except that we both liked it and we wanted to talk about it. And so I started thinking about maybe creating another show that just focused on home automation. And at the time, there were maybe two other shows out there at all that focused on home automation tech. So I thought, you know, this is the right time to get into this. This is something that I think is, um, you know, going to interest me and I can keep up with it. And so I recorded a couple episodes like you're supposed to before putting one out there, talked with Josh to get some help to set it all up because I'd never set up an RSS feed for a podcast before or anything like that. And he helped me make it happen and get the thing launched. And uh, again, as a result of his help, I was able to get the show going. That is a show that is my own show. I have him on occasionally, but the format there is that I invite a different guest co-host on each week. Sometimes they're from a company. Sometimes they are from the journalism space. Sometimes they're homeowners who are into this technology like you. You were a co-host at one point. It was awesome. And it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of fun. And it's really a lot of fun just guesting on someone else's podcast. See? <laughs> That's what I'm telling you, man. It's so much less work. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, <laughs> um, now, just because you haven't, you hadn't done the 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 coding work or the you know the the back end kind of stuff until the most recent podcast, I'm sure there are like a lot of things that you learned along the way that really would have stumbled you had you not had a a, a really solid guest or really solid co-host to lean on. Um, or that you came across as you were starting your own podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I had to learn all of this from the ground up. Now, I had the advantage of being a geek that was into this stuff and going to all those sessions to listen to how to best plan out a show, how to coordinate guests, how to use a microphone and all that stuff. But I... You know, I easily, I think, went through about maybe four or five months of producing and releasing Home On until I felt like I really had it down and had things the way I wanted them. I had the the sound processing figured out the way that I wanted it. I had the show format the way that I wanted it. What's funny and I, you know, again, I credit Josh with helping me out and making all this happen. 
one of his comments when the first episode came out was that, well, that doesn't sound at all like a first episode. Nice. And to me, that was such a compliment. And I couldn't have done it without all of the help that I had. And even today, I'm constantly trying to keep up with, all right, well, what is going on in podcasting? What are other podcasters doing to try and stay up on stuff? I listened to a show hosted by Ray Ortega. I don't know if you know Ray. He has a podcast called Podcast Helper, and mm. he has another podcast called Podcast Roundtable, Podcasters Roundtable. Mm -hmm. And it's a roundtable discussion of some core podcasters and then guests from the sphere who talk about things that they've learned along the way. And they have a different topic on, you know, maybe it's building your audience. Maybe it's how do you handle this audio thing? Uh, what equipment do you use? And I'm constantly learning from him. And I, I really feel like when you're doing this, if you want it to be good, if you want to keep on top of it, you need to always be striving to stay on top of what's going on in the space and keep learning. Now with, uh, unfortunately this has to be a bit of a shorter show because of, of the timing of it and everything. Um, so I'm just going to kind of jump into one of my favorite aspects of, of the, the whole show really. And that is, uh, I thought you were cutting me off. All right, Richard, we'll tell people where they can find you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not yet. We got a, we got a few minutes for that. Um, how do you, what is your personal measure of success? Is it different for your different shows because they have different hosts and formats? And where do you stand against those measures of success? So your supposition is absolutely right. I do measure success differently for different shows. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think... <laughs> I think you're right. I think one of the reasons is because the format is different. So the objectives are a little bit different. And also I have less responsibility on the show that I co-host. I don't actually produce that show. Mm -hmm. And so for me on producing and releasing home on, it's not just a matter of having engaging conversation and asking good questions with the guest and incorporating them into the conversation as best I can, but then also producing the show and getting it out there. And, and this is my downfall, Amos. This is the thing that kills me. I hate my production regimen mm. and I absolutely fail at keeping up with my schedule for the show because my production regimen is as entailed as it is. And what do I mean by that? For no good rational reason, <laughs> I have it in my mind that I want home on to sound and feel like a professionally produced and released podcast. <laughs> I remember you telling me that uh, for the episode that I was on, you were waiting for a Saturday to block out the whole day to do your editing. Absolutely. And <laughs> don't take that personally. That wasn't, that wasn't, oh, Amos says um too many times. 
I need more time than usual to edit this one. Right. <laughs> I take a day, a full day producing the show. And I know that by most show standards, you know, my show is usually about 40 to 50 minutes long. Mm -hmm. By most standards for a hobbyist podcast, that's ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. It, it shouldn't take that long. But I do edit out as many ums as I can. I listen to literally every second of the show and oftentimes repeatedly because I'm getting all of the speech ticks, the ums, the stammers, the repeated you know or whatever the crutch is that my guest has that week. And it's so, so, so common. And I have to edit myself. I'm pretty good with the speech crutches that you can hear. What I'm not good about, and your listeners will realize this when they listen to this, if they listen at regular speed, I fill that um space with silence. <laughs> Right. So where most people would be filling space with noise, uh, I have just uh, gaps um, yeah. in my conversation. <laughs> and then I don't complete the thought until a couple seconds later. That's easy to edit. Right. <laughs> but I have to do that. I have to do that to make it all seem seamless. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I end up producing a show that is much more, I, I would say, complicated than it needs to be. But that's the bar that I've set for myself. That's what I want. And I am into this for four years now. This is, in fact, this week marks four years of Home On. Wow. And I can't bring that bar down. I've tried mm. and I can't do it. It's what I want. And if it means that I don't get a show out as frequently as I want to, then to me, that is worth it. Now, the common the common ratio, I guess, for uh, highly produced podcasts is probably about three to one. You spend about three hours for every one hour of recorded time in editing. So it ends up being a, if you record a one hour show, that's four hours of total commitment because you got three hours of editing. What is your ratio? Yeah, I don't, like I don't a, know where that number comes from. That's bullshit. Uh, Seriously, it's like 10 to 1 for me. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. Did I mention that I also edit breaths out? Yeah. Like, not, I'm, not going this time, for, yeah. I'm going for that NPR sound. That's... It's, it's, it's kind of insane to, to take that on as, as a personal challenge and as a, uh, a standard of quality. It's pretty impressive. It should tell you something about my personality and, and maybe even what it must be like to spend a lot of time with me. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I, I've never spent more than a couple of days with you at a time, and I can say that our personalities jive pretty well. I just don't have as much time on my hands as you do, apparently. I got too many kids. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this show and with uh, Ritual Misery, well, when Ritual Misery first started out, I was putting three to four hours of time into editing for every hour, and we were recording two hours at a time, and it was kind of ridiculous. It was a bi-weekly schedule, and it was still couldn't keep up. And going, I think going live to tape, because we were starting to do video and releasing the video made it so that my process could cut down 
now for an uh, typically an hour show, once I start the editing process, it is uploaded and published on YouTube and iTunes and all, all the other places within about two hours and 45 minutes. But that's that's without any editing. That's just chopping off the ends, throwing some graphics on a video, cutting the audio out and, and leveling it a little bit and then shipping it as is. So I can only imagine really highly polished shows and how much effort has to go into them, especially if they're doing video. Yeah, but I have it a little bit easier because I'm not doing the video, right? right. You have taken on a much bigger piece, a much bigger bite that you need to work on to just get a show out, just just to get it out. I mean, I could take my raw audio, throw my intro and outro music on it, upload it, and that whole process would probably take about an hour at the most with my audio only. Right. And then I know, you know, there are shows that do that. In fact, oh, man. So, you know, I've been on DTNS, Tom mm-hmm. Merritt's Daily Tech News Show. That, You've been on Cord Killers. The man's their machine. shows, their shows, they they produce in real time. Mm-hmm. So, as they're recording, that's basically what's going up, unless there's something seriously wrong. Mm-hmm. And when they finish recording, they've already live, like you do, played their outro, and all they have to do is essentially package it up with metadata. I have been on DTNS where before we're finished with our post-show conversation, he's already published the show. Right. You get your little alert on your phone saying that it's live and you're still talking to the man. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in fact, that when he does his, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but when he does his, that's usually when they cut the, the post-show stream is when he's published. They're like, okay, I published. So by chat room. You know, and it's like, well, it, you just finished the show 12 minutes ago. You've already converted right. it. And, and he'll he'll still be maintaining the conversation while he's doing it. And he'll have to do edits. Like, I got to go in and cut that little part out or or cut that to there because, you know, uh, the hangout yep. failed or whatever. And he's still, and it still gets 15 minutes and he's done. It's like, I, man, that is, that's like the, the, the champion of processing right there. You, other than just hitting save and letting a system automate it for you, that's probably the fastest you can go to publish yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. I really don't know how he does it. He's a machine, and and I have so much admiration for him. I set my bar too high. I just, you know, I, I want this highly produced show. Uh, I I want to make sure that the conversation stays moving because mm-hmm. we sidetrack. Like when you and I did the show together, I got up 25 minutes of us bullshitting. <laughs> Right, I mean, we we get during during well, the show twenty five minutes during, during the, show. the show, not not counting the pre Absolutely. and post. Yeah, Absolutely, and and so you know, I, w- I want to get that stuff out and everything. So to me, being able to maintain that level of quality, and I hope it comes across as quality. I had someone on Twitter uh, mention me in a tweet a couple of days ago, saying, you know, I'd love to hear more professional audio from blah 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 blah. I'm like, why am I on that list? Wait a minute. <laughs> but I, I think that the quality level is really high. And if I can continue to achieve that, then as far as I'm concerned, I've made, I, I have made my goal. I want higher numbers. Mm-hmm. Like I think most people do, but 
to me, that is not the level of success for me. For me, the level of success is getting the quality product out there. That's awesome. And how does that differ from where you think you are? Like, do you, do you really think you can improve much more? Or is it a matter of, of easing down the process of editing, like making it so you don't have to edit as much? Or is it just a matter of, have you, are, are you at the A plus and you're just trying to maintain the 4.0 GPA? So I would not say that I'm at an A plus by any means. And I know that you kind of want to grade here. I think I would give myself maybe a low A on this. I think there are ways that I could do this better. And a lot of that is, as you say, figuring out ways of making it easier for me to continue to have that quality level, but with less work. And so I've been experimenting with different ways of automating parts of the process. I use a, a leveling technology now that I pay for, but it's worth it, uh, called Auphonic that takes mm -hmm. all of the audio and kind of like the magical old levelator application. It puts everything at exactly the right volume levels. It does a really good uh, job of adjusting for if you've clipped, if you've made your audio just way too loud for uh, the levels that you have, or if you're too low and then it cleans up the background noise and stuff like that. So that has helped me tremendously. I have also started using different filters in my uh, post-production that minimize the amount of editing that I need to do. So like the breathing, a lot of that I can get out just by setting the right filter. Mm. Unfortunately, every once in a while you get a guest on it's a low talker and you know, that just every it talks a little bit like this and you can barely hear what they're saying. And so sometimes you can't really tell when they're finished talking. <laughs> so I, I really I thought you were going to go a different direction with that. I thought you were going to be, like, they talk really low and then when they do it, a breathe, it's, and then they talk really low again. <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> so I, I can't use it on the guests, but I can use it on myself because right. I can try and be disciplined enough that, I know that I'm keeping my voice at a pretty steady level and I know how to project because I, I speak all the time for work and stuff like that. So that's not an issue really, but it's, it's the guest piece. That's the hard part. And I've become really good at recognizing, Oh, that's an um, Oh, that's a breath. Just, <laughs> just the waveforms by looking at the waveform. <laughs> That's, 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 I'm just going to say there's something not quite right about that. <laughs> I know. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. That's a talent I never expected to have. <laughs> All right, Richard, there is, there's one thing that we do at the show, typically towards the end, which we're, we're getting towards the end here, unfortunately. I have been dying. If, if there's one reason I wanted you to be on the show, it's for the second half of this question. So the question is, what advice do you have for people coming into podcasting brand new or just started? And what advice do you have for the veterans out there that have been doing this for a while? Uh, particularly the, the second part? That's interesting. Yeah. So I have different answers for those. Mm -hmm. And my first one is going to come across as... See, but okay, so <laughs> I think people, and I think you do this, I think people overachieve 
in what they're trying to accomplish to get a show off the ground. And by doing that, you end up putting hurdles in front of you. So if there's anything that you can do to eliminate hurdles to getting a show started, whether it's, okay, just use the mic I have instead of going out and trying to research and find the perfect mic. Or you know what? Just buy the ATR2100. It's a damn good mic. It costs $38. Or by saying that, oh, well, you know, we, we have to have these guests lined up and I have to have this intro music and I have to, like getting started, there's a lot that you can do, but you don't have to do all of it to get started. So I would say just start with what you have and ease into it and improve the product over time. Unless you're like crazy OCD like I am where episode <laughs> one can't sound like a first episode, but you know what? It, it can, it, if you're okay with that, it can. And an audience for a new show is going to be forgiving if the content and conversation is good. That's what matters. So that's what I would recommend to people who are getting into this for people who are veterans Listen to your own goddamn show. I cannot believe how many people have a podcast who do not listen to their own show and therefore, as a result, are not aware of various annoyances that they bake into their show. Obviously, you know, they're hearing themselves and they figure, oh, well, I was already a part of that conversation. Why do I need to listen to it again? You listen to it again so that you can continually improve, continuous improvement. I'm an agile fan. I'm, I'm big on this idea of you do something, you see what works, you learn from it, you change, you do it again. And I feel like everybody, even if they've been doing this for a while, should be trying to improve what they do. And you can't do that if you don't know what your show sounds like. Mm. That's, I mean, both of those are really really good points and and you're probably right I, I do the first one far too much uh i set the bar very high <laughs> and uh, fail to achieve it on a regular basis so that's just my my character flaw uh that's pretty much all aspects of life by the way and <laughs> <laughs> um and i agree there are there are several times when i've listened to a podcast of someone who's been podcasting for quite a while and just wondered did they actually listen to the published version of this episode? Because the levels are completely crazy off. Or this person has been coughing into the microphone nonstop the entire show. And I, I'm with you. That, those are both really yeah. good pieces of advice. Yeah, the, the, I think that's, I think that's really critical. You know, you have the guest who for whatever reason decides that it's okay to just sit there and talk at his computer as to be on a podcast. No, no, that sounds terrible. What are you in <laughs> your bathroom or something? I've had guests that showed up in the bathroom, so I know exactly how that is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they came to your bathroom? No, no, no. They were in their bathroom. Luckily. Um, cause yeah, I, no. I, I was, I was, bathroom, yeah, I was in my bathroom. The closet. 
Seriously, you, if no you're kidding. trying to do this and you're that like another advice for newbie, if you are looking for the best place to get this thing started and you don't have a room where you can go, go into your walk-in closet. It is a sound sponge. Or it's an ideal place to record. If you don't have a walk-in closet, just face the closet with the door open. Because just that, just speaking into a muffling area will eliminate a lot of the, the room noise a lot of the echo and you don't have anything in front of you to distract you because it's just a closet. Now, if you got right. a, a super messy closet and there's tons of just stuff everywhere, maybe clean it up a little bit, but as far as, <laughs> as far as audio quality goes, closets yeah. are perfect. Maybe not do your video from the closet. People may well, think if, that's weird. If you're doing the video from the closet, that's probably not as bad as having a monitor in your closet when other people are watching. <laughs> Amazon look. <laughs> just, just saying, just saying. Um, Richard, where can people find more Richard? There we go. There's where he plays me out. I am on Twitter saying lots of things with lots of voices. They're all aggregated into one account at Richard Gunther. And I am not on the Facebooks, so don't go looking for me there. But but you have an address am- in here. It's facebook.com slash none of that. Yeah, no, that's not really in it. I'm, I'm, that means I'm having none of that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing the Facebooks. And I do write occasionally, and you can find the shows that I host at thedigitalmediazone.com. The Digital Media Zone. I know, I know, it's a mouthful. And then, obviously, the shows Home On and Entertainment 2.0. You can find them wherever you find your podcasts. Very cool, very cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H. Oh, man, I screwed up my own little thing there. I've got a rhythm, and once that rhythm doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. Follow the show on Twitter at UndauntedCast. You can find out everything that I have going on at RitualMisery.com. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for allowing us to use your music. And for me, for Richard, and for all the aspiring and veteran podcasters out there, thank you for joining us on this journey. 